MCU.html Reassembled is brought to you by the Cage Club Network for all things movies, media, TV, comics, music, and more. Check out the Cage Club Network at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. And I'm Kevo. And this is Husbands Talking More or Less. HTML. More specifically, MCU.HTML, a branch of the show that we haven't been to in quite some time. No, we've been all over space where no one could hear us talk about the subtle misogyny of the third film. We've gotten bombarded with cosmic radiation. Also in space. Also in space. Well, sometimes. Other times it's in the negative zone. True. And we've been to the... I don't know how else. We've, we watched X-Men a bunch. But here we are. Oh, and Star Wars. We can't stay away from big space, can we? No, we do just love our big space but here we are back at i guess i mean sometimes space but mostly earth they try so hard to keep it earth centric as much as they can except when they're guardianing true and i mean james gunn is kind of an alien i accept this so we're finally back to the marvel cinematic universe where it all began which good because this is where kind of like our movie time happiness is and it went from a creature that gave us a movie once a year maybe a movie every other year to a weekly installment of marvel cinematic goodness absolutely we've fallen a little bit behind on our mcu coverage and there's been a ton of things out since our last state of the mcu address Let's see. Black Widow came out last May. Sting Sting. Falcon and Winter Soldier, the first season, came out in the fall. Kaka. The Eternals came out in November. Not dying. And now everyone's been talking about Shang-Chi for the last month, obviously. And it was so nice to see them get the Marvel street-level martial arts so right after Iron Fist had so much trouble. Except, wait a second, none of those things that we predicted at our last state of the MCU is what happened. Sting, sting, martial arts. Soon, and in fact, for some sooner than we'd even previously thought. But uh, in case anyone's noticed, there's been a bit of a kerfuffle in the entertainment industry over the last year due to certain um, very dire circumstances in the world. The Fox acquisition was hard on everybody. It really was. And so basically everything about the MCU schedule from the last time we did a State of the MCU has completely changed, which means it is time for an updated State of the MCU. I went to go sing Hail to the Chief, but I don't know it. Hail to the Chief, he's the chief and he needs hailing. He Wait, is, is the that, chief. is that that song? Yeah. Oh, that's not hail- a Christmas song? No. Okay, well, that happened. Now, the first thing we're going to be discussing is the roster of MCU films that are coming out between May 7th, 2021 and May 6th, 2022. We are getting six brand new MCU films inside the span of one year. I can only dream that they're all spaced exactly two months apart. Why would you say that? Now I need to stop and look at it. No. Well, I'm pretty sure first up is still meant to be Black Widow. Absolutely. Black Widow, as it currently stands, is scheduled to be released on May 7th, 2021. 
It's going to be really interesting to see what buckles first, Black Widow or the pandemic. My expectation is probably the film is going to move one more time. I know they don't want to. I know it's a really hard decision to make. But at this point, I'm not sure. I mean, we're lucky enough that we're vaccinated, but I know that that's not everybody's reality. And that's not necessarily the atmosphere Natasha would want people to put themselves in to see her movie. No, I agree. And frankly, the film hasn't been pushed that many times in comparison to some other MCU films. When first announced at SDCC 2019, the film was scheduled for May 1st, 2020. It was then pushed from May to November 6th, 2020, back in April, and then in September was pushed once more to its current slot of May 7th. So I don't know if it will move or if Disney will buckle and put it on Disney Plus as a premium like they've been doing. I don't know. I don't think it would be a good idea to move it again. Frankly, for me, I'm not as excited about this movie as some others that are going to be coming out. I'm, I know I'm going to end up really enjoying it. It was written by Eric Pearson, who has worked a lot on the MCU previously, having done a ton of the Marvel one-shots, working on a script for Ant-Man, Spider-Man, Thor, Ragnarok, and both of the last two Avengers movies. Plus, the story was co-written by Jack Schaefer, who is the showrunner of WandaVision and co-writer of the script of Captain Marvel. So I know these are from creatives that we've enjoyed the work of previously. And creatives that we've enjoyed the development of the female voice on, which is a nice feeling. I, you know, know we missed WandaVision in some regards, but also we watched it adamantly every Friday before work. So I think Marvel's proven that you can make a weekly slot of the MCU in a big way. Disney Plus continuously breaks its subscriber record over and over on the strength of projects like The Mandalorian and WandaVision. So I am hopeful that Black Widow finds its way onto our streaming platforms. I'm insulted that you didn't bring up High School Musical, the musical, the series. Art at its peak. I don't know, man. As much as I love High School Musical, the musical, the series, I'm more of a more of a Julian the Phantoms guy. And I get that. I really do. The next film that we are currently scheduled to be getting from the MCU is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It was originally announced as part of the SDCC 2019 MCU event with the release date of February 12th, 2021, which was the first day of the Chinese New Year. Obviously, that did not so much happen. It was pushed in April of 2020 to May 7th, which had been the Black Widow slot. And then in September of 2020, it was shifted to July 9th, 2021, which moved it to ahead of Doctor Strange, which was strange. It's also had rippling effects on the comic industry. Every time one of these projects is planned and announced, the Marvel Universe in tandem usually works to design and release a series or a miniseries to help the success of the film in the comics industry. And Shang-Chi has had a couple of like one shots and minis and the poor guy just keeps getting bandied about the Marvel Universe in an effort to prepare him for the Marvel Cinematic Universe and that's always led to some disastrous results. I'm excited though especially because they've been hinting at the idea of a Mandarin appearance since 2008 with the very dawn of the MCU 
uh, they quickly realized that what they were setting up with the character was something that was no longer appropriate to be portraying in media, which is how we ended up getting the Mandarin twist in Iron Man 3. But those who recall our coverage of All Hail the King, the Marvel one-shot, there is a reference to there potentially being a real Mandarin out there somewhere. So it could be this character. They could completely erase that notion from the MCU. Who knows? I'm the Mandarin. No, I'm not. Don't hurt me. I loved it. I know a lot of people didn't. I mean, you know, it's so interesting. The weird things people ask of existing fans to sort of quote unquote stomach or stand when, oh no, but that's the movie version and it's really cool. So we get that you're kind of gatekeepery, but no, no, protect that thing. But then people are like, no, the Mandarin is sacred. And I'm like... The Mandarin ever had like a hundred appearances before the film. He isn't as all-defining a villain as people think because people did realize how racially insensitive the character was so long ago that in the 90s he was reimagined to be a technological character to get him away from the whole Asian man of mystic mystery. The next film we will be getting on the MCU roster coming out November 5th, 2021 is The Eternals. Originally announced as part of the SDCC 2019 MCU event, it was supposed to have come out November 6th of 2020 before being moved in April of 2020 to February 12th. In August of 2020, they dropped the THE from the title, and then the following month it moved once again to November 5th of 2021. It's weird. For as much as Shang-Chi is the film I know the least what to expect... I feel like The Eternals is the movie I feel like I should know what the most to expect and don't. They've been so open yet mysterious at the same time with everything having to do with this film. Right down to dropping the the from the title. What prompted that? And I mean, that's even a thing that is reflective of what we read when we read Eternals number one by Kieran Gillen and Isad Rabik for our brother show, X's for Podcast. Now, Eternals as a concept are kind of one of those Marvel uses them seldomly, is very careful with them. So as much as people know about the Eternals, they're locked into the ancient cycle of Eternals and Deviants and the Celestials. There's still so much that is unclear for audiences to try and parse through. So I think as we go closer to the film, we might get a little bit more about what the plot of the film is from the commercials or tie-in novels or toy boxes. But right now, it does seem like The Eternals is a mystery. And one of the mysteries I am most curious about is the role of Kit Harrington in the film as Dane Whitman, a.k.a. The Black Knight, whose early adventures we covered over on X's for Podcast as well for an extended period. I don't really know how the character fits in with these characters, even if he does. That's not necessarily something that the MCU works really hard to make sure makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, they've, they've really started to throw more and more characters into a blender together. Well, seeing as the Black Knight is like a legacy title, perhaps the Black Knight has always been a friend to the Eternals, and this most recent Black Knight, Dane Whitman, is now being brought into that fold. You know, his elder great-great-great-grandfather, Sir Percy, was a Black Knight as well, and it runs in his family, and they could do something pretty cool with the Ebony Blade. I love that, and I love that you so frequently use your Marvel Comics knowledge to project and hypothesize the ways that they can do these things, because there's so many things you can make out of the clay that is Marvel Comics as a source material. 
I agree. And, you know, I just want people to realize that the X-Men have been around since 1963, but Apocalypse wasn't created until 1986. And Spider-Man's been around since 1961, but Venom didn't come along till like 1990 or so with Carnage following in 1993. Really? I didn't know that. Well, because he didn't get the black suit until Secret Wars in 1984, and then he lost it. So when people try and think about, you know, Deadpool's first appearance is 1989. So a lot of what we kind of take for granted when it comes to canon is that it was all different until someone came up with that part of it. So I'm just always excited and eager to see how the universe might unfold and react. Speaking of the universe unfolding and Spider-Man, the next film on the MCU slot is the recently titled Spider-Man No Way Home coming out December 17th, 2021, whether we like it or not, because Sony decides when Spider-Man movies come out. It was first announced after the August 2019 Disney-Sony dilemma, where Tom Holland called Iger drunk, crying about it, and they announced that the next Spider-Man movie was slotted for July 16th of 2021. In April of 2020, it was moved to November 5th, and then in July of 2020, it was moved once more to its current final date of December. There's a lot to unpack with Spider-Man right now. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, The biggest news I would say currently is the three major names that are going to be in it. First, of course, someone we already know in the MCU, Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange, but also the return of Alfred Molina and Jamie Foxx as Doctor Octopus and Electro, respectively, from two completely different Spider-Man franchises. And I do appreciate that you softballed it with those two, as opposed to some of the very unconfirmed announcements. Now, there are rumors that we're going to see the return of Tugboat and Andrew Garfield in the roles. There's a rumor that my precious Charlie Cox is going to grace the screens as the best ever Daredevil to ever Daredeviled. And a number of other minor appearances are rumored for this film. I think before people start getting really hopeful that we're going to get either Tuggy or Garf Garf, they should get a little bit more hopeful that we might see Tom Hardy as Venom because Sony owns other Sony things and it's a lot easier to cross-promote their own product, which would help their own product become more successful, than it would be for them to necessarily bring in two older products that they can't continue making money off of anymore. They're not going to suddenly produce spider-man 4 for tuggy just because he was in this movie i love that you brought in the idea of venom that's really interesting and i definitely think that you're right i wonder if this film might even instead take a note out of the cwdc arrowverse and if we do see tugboat or we do see garfield the cat It's really more for a brief cameo, as I understand the most recent DC huge crossover that Tom Welling returned for is only in like five minutes, but that's still something that gets fans excited and, you know. And if I can, I mean like, yes, Tuggy, very excited. And I think it's more like if they can get their hands on Garfield, I would really like to see if they could bring in John Arbuckle. That genuinely took me a minute because I was like, did he? Did he play Spider-Man in the 70s? Nope. I would also like the fourth movie to take them to Abu Dhabi where they can fight the normal goblin. Yeah, but that was the worst Sex in the City movie. I would like to see Kim Cattrall return as Carnage in the next Spider-Man movie. Yeah, but that makes her precious SJP the goblin. (gasps) 
<laughs> the next film that we will be getting in the upcoming roster of MCU movies, starting out 2022 in March, on March 25th, we will be getting Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Let me push you out of the microphone to talk about this one. I want it. Well, let me just point out a few interesting key things first. Uh, first and foremost, it is written by the man who is showrunning the Loki series on Disney+. Plus. It's being directed by Sam Raimi of the first Spider-Man trilogy in the early 2000s. That's tugboat for you keeping track at home. The composer is changed from Michael Giacchino to Danny Elfman for this film. Lord of the Dark Elves for some reason. And it will also feature the debut of the character America Chavez. You can't hear it, but I'm screaming at a pitch. You guys might have heard us talking about America Chavez over on our brother show, X's for Podcast, where alongside Raven and Rod, two of our most amazing regular contributors, we took a look at her most recent solo series, which is seeking to create a well-defined backstory for her. I can only imagine in an effort to prep her for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I really found it very fun. I don't know the character super well yet. I have only even recently learned certain things about her backstory that are fascinating, and I'm looking forward to getting to know the character. I think it's an interesting choice that they are going with an actress who is so much younger than the character is currently in the comics. I guess that's along the same lines as a certain set of Maximoff twins who debuted over on WandaVision. Speaking of which, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness will be a continuation of WandaVision Season 1, as hinted at with the inclusion of the Doctor Strange theme in the final tag scene of the final episode, which I obviously loved more than life. You know, I have so many things to say about the value and power and intensity of WandaVision, and I can't wait to get to those. I really think the mistake is calling it Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and not Doctor Strange and the Scarlet Witch, but they couldn't have known at the time that WandaVision was going to be a record-breaking non-stop powerhouse. I mean, if they had known that it was going to be a huge success all along, they might have done a bigger job preparing the world for Wanda to be in Doc Strange, but, you know, lesson learned. And if you can drop the The from Eternals, you sure can add a and Scarlet Witch, or featuring Scarlet Witch, or with the Scarlet Witch, or and Elizabeth Olsen as the Scarlet Scarlet Witch at the end of the title, whatever you want to add. And, you know, I really agree with that. And that's the thing that we are seeing from doing this state of the MCU and discussing all of the changes that have been made to the schedule, that these things are not necessarily set in stone until they are finally released. And everything affects everything else. The journey of this and the next film that will be coming out from the MCU are pretty hilarious because they weren't just affected by the COVID pandemic. They were affected by the fact that the MCU doesn't control when Spider-Man lands. This movie was originally announced as part of the SDCC 2019 MCU event to be released May 7th of 2021. In early April of 2020, it was moved due to COVID to November of 2021. And then in late April, it was moved due to Sony moving Spider-Man to March 25th, 2022. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness represents a major departure for Marvel, which has sort of uh, kind of like dick teased us a little bit about the multiverse at this point. Obviously, 
Everybody at the end of WandaVision was a little dismayed to find out that Quicksilver was Ralph Boner. But I think the other side of that that is significant is the director swears that he did not think everybody would just automatically assume that it was mutants. He thought that people would take it for what it was, which was a meta look at the Scarlet Witch as a fictional construct. And he thought that the humor of it would be a little bit more strong. Now, there's also something going around the internet about Benedict Cumberbatch apologizing for not being able to be in WandaVision. Otherwise, there could have been a Doctor Strange appearance. I think this was a huge lesson for Marvel, which hoped WandaVision would be a Mandalorian-sized hit, but was very skeptical after Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. wasn't the Rock'em Sock'em they hoped after the Marvel Netflix universe died with a whimper, after the Hulu branch of Marvel Magic didn't work out with things like Runaways and Hellstrom. You know, between the two shows, they had a combined four seasons. The upcoming Dazzler and Tigra show was canceled. We are getting the MODOK animated series, but it's a very different thing in its own universe. It's meant to be kind of tongue-in-cheek. So... I w- and by the way, just so everyone knows, the guy writing the Modoc show wrote the episode of Community Meow Meow Beans. So like, <laughs> I don't know why everybody isn't talking about this. This should be the only thing you're talking about. This is so exciting. And the guy who's show running Loki, who wrote Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, was an assistant writer on Community as well. So if you're sleeping on Community, that's where they're getting all their writers from. And the Russos, no less. The Russos who have a connection to Community and to Happy Endings and... So many of, like Adam Pally from Happy Endings, who appeared in Iron Man 3. There are a lot of connections between that sort of like Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Community, Happy Endings crew, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is where the injection of humor comes from. The only thing that doesn't love NBC sitcoms, apparently, is ratings. That was scathing. Oh my god, I'm gonna, that joke was so good, I'm gonna make an entire documentary and put it on Yahoo screen. Rude. Speaking of sleeper hits, the sixth and final film that will be coming out within 365 days from the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the much-anticipated Thor Love and Thunder on May 6th, 2022. Nico, do you want to, like, scream for about 30 seconds? So, I'm in the middle of gearing my shit up for this series. Now, what a lot of people don't realize is that Thor, as a concept, was ended around 2002 in the Marvel Universe as part of something known as Avengers Disassembled. He would come back in the pages of J. Michael Straczynski's Thor, which followed the Civil War event, a really well-known event. In fact, there was a clone of Thor introduced in that named Clore, and Thor would have the J. Michael Straczynski run, a quick fill-in by Kieran Gillen, who would then go on to write a partner book about Loki, which is where a lot of the modern Loki canon is coming from, alongside a guy named Matt Fraction. The two of them would run the Thor universe until Jason Aaron takes over. Jason Aaron's Thor introduces Gore, the God Butcher, puts Jane in charge of the hammer, and is a huge amount of where Taika Waititi has to be drawing the next bit of Thor canon from. It really all boils down to about a hundred issues. And it's all been released within the last 10 years. I'm in the middle of rereading it now, and I'm really excited to see how it comes onto the screen in a single movie, which might evidently, according to some reports, be as long as four and a half hours. Well, Gore is confirmed for this as well, being played by Christian Bale, which... I I don't know how I feel about that actor being introduced to the MCU. I am fairly confident that it's a good move here because Christian Bale's name does contain a bit of caveat. Now, I am not a fan of giving problematic people work. 
but it seems like Hollywood can't stop itself. And if Christian Bale is going to get work, and he's going to get work in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I am excited that he's not going to be playing Batman. He is going to be playing a dude who lived this super hard life on this super desolate planet, and every time he lost someone, his family, his wife, his kids, they would say, let's just pray to the gods that good will come to us soon. And he came into contact with All Black the Necro Sword, which is a representation of pure darkness created by the dark god Null in the Marvel Universe and used it to become Gore the God Butcher. And he like pulled all the gods' bloods together to go back in time and kill people. And he's pretty beyond hope. There is no future for the character of Gore. At the end of his story, there's kind of not anywhere for him to go. So it's not like this can lead to Christian Bale having this huge, massive, positive role in the Marvel Universe where he is deified in a Batman way. Right, exactly. Now, for those of you playing Score at home, Null is actually the god of symbiotes. So that's another Spider-Man connection. The bad guy of Thor, Love and Thunder's powers come from the symbiote. So that is an interesting connection I would be excited to see. Null, maybe not my favorite Marvel villain, but the King in Black event has been exciting. And it did reveal that huge Spider-Man concept, Captain Universe, is the symbiote god of light. And instead of eating people's rage, it finds their hope. Come on, man. I want that in the cinematic universe. I want cosmic Spider-Man played by Tom Holland wielding Captain Universe against Null and All Black the Necro Sword. <gasps> Baby! Right, right, right? Speaking of interesting connections, there is a very interesting intra-connection with the MCU in this film. In that the Guardians of the Galaxy are going to be in it. We don't fully understand what the capacity to which they will be featured is yet, but, um... Well, I would like to point out that I believe what's going to be appearing is the Guardians of the Galaxy, as Big G is not expected to appear at the moment. Yeah, no, uh, all of the Guardians of the Galaxy, including Kraglin... I believe, are confirmed to be in this film, except queen of the box office, Zoe Saldana's Gamora. Now, that breaks my heart because she is the bomb shit. She's probably the best of the Guardians for my money. So I'm a little disappointed that she won't be in this one. But if that does leave room for Nebula to be used in a more substantial way, I am, of course, in as Nebula wound up one of the stars of Endgame and Infinity War out of nowhere without absolutely no right to totally makes up for any annoyance amy pond caused me but rory ugh, where's rory these days i don't know where rory is but there is one other exciting return for this film i mean obviously tessa thompson's valkyrie is going to return which we're all very excited about but a super badass lady we haven't seen in quite some time is returning for this film lady sif shut up yeah, confirmed. Well, and I will admit, there is one other person that's going to be in this film that maybe has me uh, screaming into the night with joy, like I'm baying at the moon, like some kind of not a horse. Oh, I thought you were going to say Matt Damon. Is Matt Damon confirmed for this film? Yeah, Matt Damon is confirmed to return... It is believed as his actor playing Loki character because there have also been reports and photos on set of Melissa McCarthy portraying Hela. Okay, Melissa McCarthy portraying Hela in this sort of Ember Island players skit bullshit. 
makes up for the fact that it should have been Angela all along. And I I can't even breathe. Oh my god. But yeah, there's supposed to be some Beta Ray Bill in this movie. I don't know if that's been confirmed or if it's just one of the heavily circulated rumors. But the last really heavily circulated rumor I heard involved a certain guy by the name of Kang. And then a certain guy by the name of Kang came true for some Quantumania. So I'm really holding out hope that I finally get Beta Ray Bill. And, you know, they're going to need somewhere to put Stormbreaker. So why not put it into the hands of Beta Ray Bill? I just really hope that they don't move this movie again. This one has had probably the most interesting journey so far, having originally been announced at SDCC 2019 as coming out in November 2021. It was then moved in early April of 2020 due to COVID to February of 2022. Then in late April of 2020, it was moved again due to Doctor Strange being moved due to Spider-Man being moved to just a week earlier, February 11th. And then finally, at the Disney Investor Day of 2020, it was announced to have been pushed back another three months to May of 2022. So it's moved like five times already. And it's so difficult to figure out exactly what story they want to tell here. In the comics, Jane becomes Thor after becoming critically ill with cancer. So her time as Thor is short-lived. It ultimately results in Odin's son retrieving the hammer again. And this movie, whatever it is, has the capacity to be so self-contained. Perhaps the Eternals can make an appearance at the death of a god or the crowning of a new god. Perhaps Doctor Strange views it through one of his portals. Maybe Wanda flies through the night screaming with a mortar and pestle. And I don't know. I think this movie sounds to be about a very specific quadrant of the Marvel Universe. What's exciting to me is I feel as though they're working to get Loki away from Thor with his upcoming show. Now, while I don't know that for sure, I do know that his show is going to focus on some not-so-Thorian ideas. So, I'm eager to see how they're able to make a single film out of this, unless they get Nene Portman to come back and do a couple of more films. There's really a lot that they're going to seek to put into one story, and I'm here for all of it. I trust Taika Waititi uh, pretty much to the edge of the desert, and I want to know what he can do with these characters. So that was part one of our return to MCU.html, focusing primarily on the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the upcoming year. There's a lot that we're going to have to be covering in this year's State of the MCU, so we figured it would be smarter to split it up into smaller chunks for y'all. Next, we'll be covering all of the TV shows that are coming up in the year 2021, and after that, we'll be discussing everything else that is currently on the schedule or in production for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, to play us out, we have one last segment. This was recorded for X's for Podcast, our brother's show, and it's a fun little piece we did that you guys might appreciate, and we wanted to make sure that all the HTML was in all one place. Hey, everybody. Nico here again. And this is Kevo. And so, okay, you guys might remember Kevo from the recent Eternals coverage, or maybe you're a longtime fan, and you've been listening since this guy helped me cover the classic Captain Britain. Yeah. Well, today, we're here to talk a little bit about maybe something a bit broader in idea. Now, Kevo, you were recently on the Eternals number one coverage. Yes, I was. Now, that title, you kind of can't help but notice, launched around maybe when the Eternals was maybe meant to come out. Yes, I did. So, there's this super sensitive
sense of interconnectivity between the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the Marvel Universe proper, and you've always seen it, you know? Absolutely. How can you not try to use visual media to sell the comics? The first one that pops to mind is the connectivity between the Carol as Captain Marvel cover from the comics and the look of the character from the films, but I know it goes back even further than that. I have this really specific memory of Chris Claremont's revolution on Uncanny X-Men around 99-2000 and all of the covers saying, you know, the material here is the movie. Go buy this because movie is here. And now they just don't even bother. You know where to find them. Yeah, and that's part of what they're working to do. I noticed that Shang-Chi, Eternals, and Black Widow all got new number ones either around the time their film was supposed to come out or it looks like they're going to come out when the film is now going to come out. (laughs) But it goes deeper than that. Now, if you're not caught up on the Marvel Cinematic Universe television program WandaVision airing currently on Disney+, Plus, shut this the fuck off. And go watch it. Go watch it, but shut this the fuck off or you're going to get real mad at me, right? So I'm vamping so everybody has time to get to the stop button if you're flying a plane and listening. Is that a thing that people can do, listen to podcasts while they're flying planes? I just realized they made it sound like the plane has a stop button and they're going to land the plane to listen. They might. I got to listen to this podcast right now. So we're just going to have a small delay. Just, it's a, it's a refuel in Iowa. No big deal. It's a layover. We're going to land in a cornfield. Yeah, so that actually happened. Uh, the airport we were supposed to land at, part of the tarmac caught on fire. And until they could figure out where to reroute us, they had us like sit in a cornfield. It was ridiculous. And hot so hot and uh, we anyway so now if you're watching WandaVision you may have noticed a surprise cameo this past Friday and that surprise cameo of Quicksilver certainly stirred up a lot of interest but I couldn't help but notice kind of a different surprise cameo related to WandaVision while true Tommy did make his debut in the previous episode having been born then it really wasn't until last episode that Tommy one of the two twins really got to thrive and sure enough he showed up in the pages of X Factor by Leah Williams and David Baldon, who we were lucky enough to recently interview. So if you're a fan of X Factor and you haven't checked out that episode, go back and give it a listen. I think you might enjoy it. Now, Kevo, here's my question for you. As more of a, a passive fan of the comics, but a hardcore fan of the cinematic universe, I mean, we've done over 60 episodes about the Marvel Cinematic Universe over on our podcast, HTML, Husbands Talking More or Less, right here on this same network. And I know we're about to dive into WandaVision and we're going to have a regular, you know, video series and we're going to be covering these shows. But how do you feel? about sometimes our kind of confusion between the comics and the movies. It's very confusing, in fact, and I know that a lot of fans of both genres who then, on top of that, don't really fully understand the inner workings of filmmaking and contract negotiating are also left very confused. I have seen a lot of fans commenting lately that this is the first time that Pietro has been mentioned on screen since his appearance in Age of Ultron, and in fact, he only appeared as a photograph in the background of Captain America Civil War, and people People have kind of complained that Wanda isn't dealing with that grief, but they're legally not allowed to talk about Pietro, or at least they weren't, until Fox was acquired by Disney and Marvel, and now we have that character back, which is why this could be an introduction of Fox's Peter Maximoff as Quicksilver. It could be Evan Peters as a completely different character impersonating Pietro. There's a thousand and one different possibilities based on the film canon and the options that are available to them for Marvel Studios. You guys heard it here first. Rupert Murdoch doesn't let women feel. But they did not hear that here first. This is true. Well, if you guys are looking to understand a little bit more about these relationships between the comics and the movies, and if you're enjoying WandaVision, X is for Podcasts partner show, HTML, also runs right here on the Cage Club Network, along with a number of other amazing shows. 
And considering how many changes and twists and turns there have been in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the last two years, we will be putting out an episode soon, one of our famous State of the MCUs, that'll help explain everything that we should be getting in the next few years. (music) 